you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Have you ever heard these stories where people die for five minutes, come back, and they've seen a tunnel, or they've seen a great light, or some of them see hell, this kind of thing? We're going to talk about what they call after-death experiences right now. I want to introduce to you Pastor Tom Parrish. Welcome, Tom. Tom, it's good to be with you. Tom is a pastor here in the Twin Cities, and he's written a book called Stepping into Eternity. And, you know, Tom, I remember talking to a 65-year-old blind man who dies on the operating table, is able to see for the first time in 40 years, sees heaven and hell, comes back right. because his heart started again, tells me I wasn't a Christian when that happened, I'm a Christian now. So, you know, I, and it sounded like a real story to me when people die, some of them see things. Um, you've written a whole book on this, and tell us a couple stories that you, you know. One of the things, one of the reasons I wrote the book <clears throat> was that uh, I was young in my ministry, I didn't know anything about these experiences, but the Lord started throwing me into them. First one was my mother-in-law. She was only 51 years old, had cancer. She was dying of cancer. We were in Dayton, Ohio. She lived in Toledo. Got a call from my wife's sister and she said, mom's dying. They took her in the hospital. She went into a coma yesterday. Come up as soon as you can. So we get up there and the afternoon we were up there was the third day she had been in the coma. And we had three little kids we had to pack up and so we got up there. We spent the afternoon at the hospital with Jan's dad and mother, some family members, and then oh, I'd say about five o'clock, Jan said, honey, I'm gonna take my dad home, let him get some rest, will you stay here all night with mom? I said, sure. It's a double room, but the bed next to her was empty. The nurse says, just lay in the bed, won't be any problem, promise we won't give you a shot. Mother-in-law was down to about 80 pounds, Tom, and you could actually see the tumor sticking out of her arms and mm -hmm. her body, it was very sad, but, um, I dozed off and then about five o'clock I woke up. Now if you know anything about me, I don't get up at five in the morning unless I really need to. I woke up, she was tossing and turning. Uh, I went and got a face cloth, put water on it, and I'm bathing her head. Now Tom, if you've seen somebody in a coma, you know how their eyes can look pretty glazy and there's a stare look. That's the way she was and as they started to bathe her head, Tom, her eyes changed and they started to twinkle like a kid at a birthday party and she started talking. And I knew instinctively she wasn't talking to me. And so I said to her, Mom, who are you talking to? In a very clear voice, she said, Jesus, what's he saying to you? Welcome. Well, what's he saying? Soon, very soon. And about an hour later, she was gone. Well, I saw that experience. I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, what do you do? You know, I talked to other pastors. They thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Six months later in the congregation I'm serving, I had a similar event with another man who died very similar to that one. Mm -hmm. And about every eight, nine, ten months, I began to see another one mm -hmm. with dying people. And so I learned to be with the dying person and to pay attention. And so the book is really premised on what happens at the moment of death. So it is both those who die and some who have stepped right to the edge, stepped over, and then were told to come back. 
A man that you and I know told me for the first time this week when he had his heart attack and pretty much died, he saw the light of Christ and and it was he said it was great and right. he was told, You have to go back. Yeah. And he said, I didn't want to go back. But he then told me, you know, I'm not afraid to die anymore. Right. Now, he's a Christian, he's trusting Christ for his salvation. When have you ever had a story where someone had a horrible experience because it wasn't heaven they were heading to. Here's an interesting part of the phenomena, or what happens here at the moment of death. People that have hell experiences, and there are many out there who do, who come back for whatever reason, within two or three days they block it out completely. They do not want to talk about it. You have to talk to them within the first couple of days when it happens. I had a woman uh, in my congregation who attempted suicide. She was a middle-aged woman, she had kids, her husband, she sent her husband off to work, her kids off to school, she had been very depressed. She filled up her bathtub with warm water, got in, slit her wrists, and laid there because she kept hearing a voice that said, you can have peace, you can have peace, you can if have you, peace. If you kill yourself. Yeah, if you kill yourself. Well, she did that, and she said as she was starting to drift off, all of a sudden she found herself in a place that was horrific. She said there was screaming and literally the gnashing of teeth and horror like she had never seen before. And she said, I was in total panic. And she said, I cried out, you know, God help me, God help me. I said, well, what happened? She said, virtually nothing. And I said, well, well, how did you come back? She said, when I cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. She said, suddenly I found myself in the recovery room. She said, now, here's the point. If you think this is reality here, you should have been where I was. I never want to go back to that place. And Tom, for me, you know, hallucinations, and I've been with people that have had hallucinations, it affects them for a week or two. Mm -hmm. This changes people's lives, mm -hmm. just like your friend. They're changed. Yeah. They never go back. They cling to Jesus, and they have no fear of death any longer. All right, let's talk about this. Because sometimes you hear a story of an after-death experience, and it sounds like a $3 bill. Right. And let me give you an example. A bestseller book called Embraced by the Light, a woman by the name of Betty E.D. I'm familiar with that book. Uh, claimed that she, Jesus took her to heaven and showed her all around heaven. Right. And then you get to about uh, halfway through the book. And you know what Jesus said? He said, the people on earth are wrong. I'm not God. They shouldn't worship. And she comes out basically, I think, with a Jehovah's Witness version of God. Yes. And you, now, now, wait a minute. So Jesus isn't God. The Bible's the Bible's evil because the Bible claims him to be God. So when the when Saint Paul says in in Corinthians, um, Satan can appear as an angel of light. That's right. Some of these lights that people see even after death, supposedly, could some of this be satanic deception? I believe it can. How and do Paul, you know if it's a real or a fake? Well, Paul warned us: if anyone preaches to you a different gospel than the one in which we preached, let him be accursed. Mm -hmm. In other words. Anything that violates what has been told us for 2,000 years in the Word of God about Jesus, if there's any violation of that, then you basically have to back up and say, whoa, something is wrong here. This is not right. This is not of the Lord. And I think that the devil does a good job at fooling some people. The people you're talking about are, always, are also people that have been fooled all their mm -hmm, life. Mm -hmm. They have believed everything that's come along, and yet they really believe nothing. But for those that are fervent in their faith in Jesus, they don't have those experiences. They aren't tricked. They meet the real thing. They go through a real experience. But those who have always been on the line or occasionally went yeah. to church or never really believed, there you get so a lot of mixture. So how do you mixture. test it? Let's say, Tom, you have a, because again, Paul says in the New Testament, Satan can appear like an angel of light. Right. So you could have an angel uh, float into your bedroom tonight. Right. And it's not an angel. It's a right. demonic deception. How can you tell if it's 
a real vision or a fake vision? Well, the first thing I do is, that angel, I would ask a question. Who do you say Jesus is? And if I do not hear the confession of the New Testament, that he is Lord and God, Savior of all, there is no one beyond him, yeah. then I say, be gone. Yeah. Just be gone, because that is a deceptive spirit. And I think a lot of people that haven't run into to demons, haven't run into these kind of spirits, think we're crazy mm -hmm. to talk about this. Mm -hmm. But Tom, you and I have seen this. There's a reality here. Yeah. And so I've been training people for years. Look, you make sure you ask them, who is Jesus? Right. And if you do not get the New Testament answer, then it is not of the Lord. And, and Betty Eadie claims Jesus Christ is not God, not eternal. Therefore, her vision, and I mean, you didn't have to get to that page. It was weird to begin. I, right. You know, there was other stuff going on. Right. Well, all right, so you test everything against Scripture. You do. I mean, I, just before this, just before this TV show started, there, here's a, here, there's a man here taping a, a, a sermon. I asked him what denomination he's in or not. He doesn't believe in the Trinity. He believes he is God. And I'm thinking, I, I just pleaded with him. I said, we're not God. We'll never be God. Only no. God is God. But if you know your Scripture, you're going to be able to count, uh, spot the counterfeit. Well, one of the things I do in the book is I, I take people through a great deal of Scripture. It's not, the stories themselves were not enough to force me to write a book. That wasn't it. It was as I began to search the scriptures and I began to see the scriptures lining up with the experiences mm -hmm. that I finally said, I've got to write a book about this because the experiences alone are meaningless if you can't back it up with the word of God because I trust what Jesus says, I trust yeah. the word, yeah. and the word is right, and if it doesn't align with that, I'm not going to teach it. Mm -hmm. And what I teach is if you have a dream, it comes from one of three places, God, the devil or pizza. Yes, that's true. And, <laughs> and that, I think some of that's kind of true with even these kind of things. It can be from the Lord, it can be from the devil, or it can be just maybe your brain hasn't totally turned off after you died. Right. right. But the thing of it is, again, even those hallucinations or things from the devil don't seem to have a long-term effect on people and changing their lives. It has a temporary effect. And for some people that temporary can be a couple of days to a couple of weeks to a couple of months. But it doesn't change their character. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the way they look at people in life. When I see people who go from hating people to loving people, from being selfish to being people that are givers, mm -hmm. from being people that didn't have time for their family to are devoted to their family, and this I see this five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, I know something real has taken place. Where you could go to these people you're talking about who have these experiences from a demon or whatever and they think it's an angel, you're not going to see a long-term life change. Okay. All you're going to see is them concentrating more on themselves and what they want and okay. their desire, as you talk to this gentleman, to All be right. God. Let's uh, kind of ask a different question now. Um, what exactly, according to the Bible, how do you under interpret on this one, what exactly happens when you die? Some Christians think you sleep until Judgment Day, then you're sure. raised from the dead, sure. and all the dead are asleep, or you immediately go to heaven. Uh, how do you put this together? Well, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a complete motion picture of what's going to happen from beginning to end. So there are no credits, and there are no credits at the beginning and end mm -hmm. telling us how it all happens. Parts of the Bible are like snapshots. I've been a photographer all my life, and I know that a snapshot can capture a moment, but it only captures that moment where it doesn't capture the whole thing. And I think the New Testament gives us snapshots at the end. So you got Paul, you got the New Testament talking about uh, when we die, you know, the, we're buried, and then at the resurrection, we're resurrected to our new life in Christ. I believe that with all my heart. But Paul also says, it is, I would rather die and go be with the Lord than be here. He makes it in the immediate context. Mm -hmm. I think both are true. I think who we are in spirit, 
goes immediately to be with the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we are alive, we're conscious, we're in eternity. Obviously, we're going to recognize one another. But this body, whether it is in the grave, whether it has been cremated, whether it is in the ocean, the Lord will create, and as the Bible promises, will be given a new body mm -hmm. that will never decay, never tire, be no more tears, no more mourning. Yeah. So I think both are true. They are. It's just looking at it from and, different and, angles. And, and again, I think you're right. Only the Lord knows how it totally pans out. Right, I don't. But the way I put those two together is pretty much like you do. You're, if you die as a believer in Christ, your spirit immediately goes to heaven. Right. Today you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus right. said to the thief. But well, I, yeah. Go ahead. I think like John 5, 24. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever believes in me, you know, has present eternal tense. life. Present tense. You know, he has not, you know, uh, gone into condemnation but has passed. Over to life. Yeah. It's an immediate context. Right. Yep. And so I believe Jesus' word on that, that immediately we're with him. Plus, you've got on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. They're, they're not, alive. They're not dead. They're not asleep. They're right. alive. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, like exactly. Abraham, Isaac. And, but on the other hand, you have the verses about being raised on the yep. last day. So I, I think our spirit goes to heaven, but my grandma in heaven is still waiting for Judgment Day to get her new perfect body. Exactly. I don't think they've got their new bodies yet. No, they don't. Yeah. I don't believe that. Um, all right. When you die, uh, you immediately go to heaven or hell, and mm -hmm. then it gets finalized, we'll say, at, at the second coming. Right. What do you think, first, will heaven be like, according to Scripture? What do you think hell will be like, according to Scripture? Interestingly, although we can read in Revelation about streets paved with gold, the emeralds and all of that. Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful picture of heaven. But I think Jesus defines heaven in John 17, 3 the best. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In other words, Jesus pictures eternal life as a relationship. Now it's, it's a real place. I'm not going to give you any idea. It's just symbolic. I believe it's a real place. Mm -hmm. where We'll be with real people. But the importance of eternity is being with the Lord, yeah. knowing him. And so it's a very real place. Hell, on the other hand, is the abode of the devil and all the demons, which I also believe is a very real place. And it's and a place it never of torment. Says, and it never mm -hmm. says the devil runs hell. No. I think he'll be on the lowest rung in hell. Well, he is also a captive to hell, just like everybody else. Yeah. And it is a place where there is the absence of a relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, people have said to me, Tom, you've gone to college, you've gone to seminary, you're a historian, you write books, do you, do you really believe this stuff about hell? And I'll tell you why I believe it. Jesus believed it. Amen. And because he believed it, I believe it. And, and Tom, you and I are Lutherans who have been grieved by our own Lutheran oh, denomination, which we both have left the ELCA Lutherans and have joined a, another Lutheran body because they're Lutheran pastors and I think bishops who don't believe in hell anymore. So, and, and our response to those guys is what? Jesus was wrong and you're right? Count the number of verses where Jesus talks about hell. There's a lot. I think the problem is when they diminish the scriptures to fit the culture. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. Here's the problem, Tom. I think most of these Lutherans who do this are not what we call evil people. They are ignorant people of God's word and they don't submit to it. And as a result, they get captured by the culture. Mm -hmm. So they're always trying to reconcile love yeah. with yeah. the culture. Right. Where Jesus says, if you take love and truth out of balance, if you overbalance on love, you won't have any truth. If you overbalance on truth, you won't have any love. He combined the two perfectly. Yes. And your goal and my goal, I know, with God's word and the way we live is to keep the two in balance. And when they're in balance, then we represent the Lord and his word. I think the ELCA, much of the leadership there, has gotten overbalanced on love. Mm -hmm. They're just going to embrace everybody. Yeah. The truth isn't very important. 
in that sense. Mm -hmm. it's, it's caring for people, seeking mm -hmm. justice and peace. Although those are fine things, that's not the message. The message is about Jesus and who he is mm -hmm. and our submission to him. Yeah. And then we evaluate everything out of that relationship and, and out of his and word. And if there is no eternal heaven or eternal hell, well, the gospel just isn't as important as it would be otherwise. There's no reason for Jesus to die. Yeah, that's right. If there is no hell, why did Jesus die on the cross? We don't need to be rescued from e exactly anything. Exactly right. What about this, Tom? I get letters sometimes, emails, from Seventh-day Adventists and others who believe in what's called annihilation. Yes. That when you die, you do go to hell, but you just suffer for a little while, and then you get wiped out. What does the Bible teach on that? The Bible says nothing about that. It talks about the fact that in hell... The worm never dies. It's kind of hard mm -hmm. symbolic language, but it's pointing out that this is a never-ending reality yeah. and that it is an eternal reality because it is what you have chosen. Matter of fact, the Bible depicts it as we're already condemned. You and I, being born into this world as sinners, are already in a condemned state. Jesus rescues us from that. Those who are in that condemned state simply continue into it into eternity. Yeah. And in eternity, Tom, uh, they basically get themselves and they get all the others that are self-centered, mm -hmm. and it is a horrible existence with no hope and no future. And do you remember Jesus said in Matthew, is it 26, the parable of sheep and goats, that the believers go into eternal life, and the unbelievers go to eternal punishment. Yes. So, I mean, and if, if Seventh-day Adventists try to maintain that eternal doesn't really mean eternal when it comes to punishment, well, then it also doesn't mean eternal when it comes to life. It's the same word in right. the same verse. Right. Oh. So whether we like it or not, the Bible teaches eternal heaven and eternal hell. I think this is the real challenge of Christianity in the 21st century. We have a tendency to want to read our culture into the Bible and our beliefs into the Bible. The challenge I've always had and tried to put before people is, are you willing to let the Bible speak for itself yeah. and now read your culture exactly. out of that? Exactly. Matter of fact, today, you know, I preached on having a biblical Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And that worldview comes from Jesus doesn't come from just my experience or intellect. That's very limited. It comes from what he has said, what the New Testament yeah. teaches, and then that shapes the way I look at the world, and I value people, and I value life. And this reminds when I was in high school, I didn't like the belief of hell. I read my Bible regularly, but I didn't like the hell verses, so I would argue with my pastor. Finally in college, I, by the grace of God, decided from now I'm going to start believing what Jesus said and not think that I right. can correct him. Right. And when I started to believe what Jesus said on heaven and hell eternity, it changed my life. Yeah. I started talking to people about Jesus right. if this is true. When I was first married and I was a, a big football fan, our whole family loves football, and I was a Cleveland Brown and Cincinnati Bengal fan. Well, they'd always go over to that place, I think it's called Pittsburgh, yeah. and the Steelers would beat them. And I got so tired of that. So, you know, I can say, you know what, I don't believe in Pittsburgh. Well, that's great, but it doesn't change what happens to the Browns <laughs> and the Bengals when they that's go there. Right. They still get beat. That's the right. point is, whether I like it or not yeah. doesn't change its reality. Exactly right. And that's what a lot of people try to do with yeah. God's Word. And, and I remember an evangelist saying he was talking to an atheist on a plane, and the atheist says to him, well, I don't believe in hell. And the evangelist said, so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because you don't think it's there doesn't make it go away. Doesn't change it. We got to ask the big question, though. There's probably people here watching our program who don't know where they're going to spend eternity. Right. And that's a lot of people. Right. If someone wants to know, all right, how can I be sure when I die I'll go to heaven for eternity instead of hell for eternity? This is the big question. What do you say, Tom? The Bible tells us so. It tells us the truth. And the Bible basically says this, that if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, Savior and Lord, the only Redeemer of the world, who shed blood on the cross, freed us from sin. 
if you then repent of your sin, that is, you change, you give over your mind to Jesus' mind. You let him now do the thinking for you. You confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The scripture says you will be saved. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can get a grasp of that, then we have the words from John chapter 20. These things are written in order that you might know that you have eternal life. Tom, you and I are not hoping we go to heaven. I don't deserve to go to heaven. Uh, You don't deserve to go. That's not the issue. The issue is I am clinging to the shed blood of Jesus, just like you. And when I stand before God the Father one day, I will not stand there alone. Jesus will be there and say, Father, for my sake, accept him. Where a lot of people are going to stand there on their own and Mm -hmm. they're going to be lost for eternity. And you know, Tom, what you just said basically in different words is we're saved by grace alone, by what Christ did on the cross, but by paying our sin debt, not by our good deeds or our works. But if you stop people and say, do you think you're going to heaven? Most, yeah, I think so. Yeah. How, how do you think you're going to get to heaven? The number one wrong answer is... I've been a good person. Yeah, and, and, and that's the wrong answer because we're all sinners. We're not good. We're right. evil. That's why Christ had to come. How, what do you do with someone who thinks they're getting to heaven by well, being good? I've, I've actually done this with people. I'll say to them, hey, my son's in politics, and uh, he gets into the White House off and on. If you want to go to the White House and see the president, you know, why don't you just drive up to the gate? and say, I want to see the president. What do you think they're going to say to you? Do you have an invitation? Well, no, but I'm a good person. I, I work a good job. I've been a good husband. I'm yeah. a loving individual in that. Yeah. The Secret Service is going to say, get out of here. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. But if you go to the gate and say, I want to see the president, and they say, do you have an invitation? And you can pull out that invitation and hand it to them. Then on the authority of the president, you get in. Mm-hmm. Not on your authority. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible says. The yeah. invitation is from Jesus. It is not from what we do. So no amount of goodness will get you in the White House. We know that. Yeah. So why do we think for eternity well, we can Exactly. Do that? And, and, you know, the thing, too, we can do is take them through the Ten Commandments. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life all the time? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You ever said, oh, my God, oh, Lord. Have you ever taken God's... Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you go to church every Sunday? Honor your father and mother. Do you ever disobey? You know, take them through the Ten Commandments. And if they understand that they break them more than they keep them, they're going to say, look, I need a savior. I can't be right. good enough to get into heaven. Because we're right. saying, we're evil. Once God opens your eyes to how evil you are, then you know you need a savior. I've always said that in order to lead someone to Christ, you've got to get them to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Why am I here? What is life about? What happens when I die? Is there really a savior? Is Jesus who he said he was? If they begin to ask those questions, if you can lead them to start asking those, most often you can lead them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Have you ever... Uh, had, when you've been at deathbeds, and I've been at a few too, um, so let's just say, and this, this happens now and then, and I don't like it when this happens. You know, Pastor Parrish, my uncle, my atheist uncle is dying. Would you go visit him in the hospital? Yeah, yep. And I'm thinking, that because it happens to me too, and I'm thinking, how about you going to visit your uncle in the hospital? You talking to them about Christ. Now, let's say somebody is watching the show, and they, their, their unbelieving mom is about to die. They're going to go to the hospital. What does a pastor or, or, or anybody say in someone's last moments to them? I had an uncle, Uncle Richard. He was a Ku Klux Klanner. He ran bootleg liquor across Lake Erie during Prohibition. Mm-hmm. When I knew him, he was a very old man dying of throat cancer. I went over to visit him. I was a young pastor. My aunt left the room with my wife. They went out to look at the garden. I sat with him, and I said, Uncle Richard, you've been a very bad man. You've done some really evil things. What do you think you're going to say to the Lord when you stand before him? Tom, the tears welled up in his eyes, and he said, I've been such a bad man, I know I won't get into heaven. And I said, you're right, there is nothing you can do to get into heaven, but I'm here today to offer you an invitation from God's word. 
Jesus says that if you will confess me, if you repent of your sins, I will receive you into my kingdom. Tommy got on his knees in tears. He repented mm. of his sin. Wow. He asked Jesus to forgive him. And three months later, he died. Mm -hmm. My aunt, five years later, said, they had been married 60 years, Tom. She said, Tommy, the last three months of his life were the best of our marriage after you talked to him. Amen. Now, it was nothing I did. Yeah. It was he met Jesus. Yes. He repented. He received Jesus. There you and go. he knew he was going so to that's, heaven. So uh, if, if you've got an, a loved one you need to go see in the hospital, you humbly, gently say, say, can I just share something with you? You know, the Bible says you can't get to heaven by being good because nobody's good. So don't be trusting in your goodness at this moment. But we're all sinners. But Christ was perfect. He never sinned because he was God in human flesh. He died on the cross to pay our sin debt, rose from the dead. If you're sorry for your sins and if you believe right. in him, God will save you by his grace. Not by your goodness, but only by his grace would you accept Christ. And sometimes we pray with people sure and do. have them accept Christ. If they've never been baptized, we get a pan of water. We baptize them on the deathbed. But to believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And... Um, well, we've only got two minutes left here, Tom. Show them your book, though. If, if people want to read these stories, where do they go? They can uh, go to our church website or just directly call Hope Lutheran okay. on uh, North Emerson, 5200 North Emerson. Minneapolis. Books, uh, Minneapolis. We have the books available there. The books are available on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. You can order them directly from there. Although I'd call the church, you get a better deal. Well, that would be 612-521-3547, Hope That's Lutheran Church, where I served for 29 years, and now you're the senior pastor there. Yep. And your book is called Stepping Into Eternity. Eternity, Encountering Jesus at the Moment of Death. Tom Parrish, P-A-R-R-I-S-H. You That's can get correct. it at, at, at um, Amazon.com. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Well, Tom, we've only got a minute and 35 seconds left, but, you know, I thought maybe we'd just take a minute and uh, uh, just summarize what we've talked about. The Bible teaches there's a heaven and a hell. You go to one of those two places. We all deserve hell. Right. One last time, how do you make sure you go to heaven instead of hell? You repent of your sin. You ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you, and you receive him as Lord and Savior, and you are determined to walk with him the rest of your life. You know, I think wh what we need to do is I'm just going to ask you at home, would you close your eyes just for a moment? And if you've never accepted Christ, I want to just encourage you to say these words after me. Lord God, I confess I have sinned against you many ways. I'm sorry and I turn from my sin. I believe, Lord Jesus, you did come to earth as the perfect sacrifice that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Come into my heart and, Lord Jesus, save me. And if you prayed that and you meant that, then God has forgiven your sins and you're on your way to heaven. Get into a good church. Start going into a good church because a lot of people pray that prayer and it doesn't really mean anything because it fades away. Get into a good church every Sunday, uh, Hope Lutheran Church, or find some good Bible-preaching church. And we hope this has helped you. Thanks, Tom, Tom so much. Good to be with you, buddy. You bet. And God bless. We'll see you next time on The Pastor's Study. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor's Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
5430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.